Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Welcome to or welcome back to Gardening Naturally. Another hot day. That's that's at least another week of hundreds possibly two more weeks of 100-degree temperatures. Oh, someday it's going to break. I'm just afraid that when we finally get that break and we start getting rain, uh, we know that a drought, a drought is ended with a flood. And we can have some pretty serious floods here in Texas. So... Right now, we're just kind of on edge, waiting for something to change. At least a week of this hot weather, maybe more. You know, I want to mention something. Journeynorth.org, it's a website. They track the migrations of um, Purple Martins. They track the migration of butterflies, particularly things like uh, monarchs. And you can check and they will say, here's where these things have been reported. We are reporting that so-and-so saw monarchs at this location. They are starting to show up, at least the reports of them, are starting to show up. That means the migration is on its way, and that means, I know, we have no water. What are we going to do? Try to put in as many blooming plants as you can. It can be difficult. You may have to... uh, plant plants that are super drought tolerant. Uh, Lantanas, if you can keep them going, it'd be a great plant. The butterflies love it. We don't need more milkweed at this time of the year. The butterflies are not coming to lay eggs. They're migrating back into Mexico right now. They need food for their trip back. And lantana is a very good choice. It's relatively drought tolerant and can be covered with those beautiful blooms. That is something that the butterflies will appreciate. I would say that they also like my Turk's cap. That is a good food source, not just for the butterflies, But for the hummingbirds, too, of course. The problem with that is that they need a little more water to bloom really well. And that may depend on how much water you have available to them, or if you even can water your outdoor plants. But here's one of those situations of the relationship We get this kind of climate where we have these unbearable temperatures and drought. 
and we think about how hot it is and, oh, gee, I can't water. Well, all of those plants now can't produce as well, meaning things like the monarchs, things like the hummingbirds, they can't get the food they need. And this directly impacts the uh, migration and the reproduction of these uh, critters. So it's really heartbreaking to get caught in this cycle. This has been a particularly bad year. So many very hot days, very many hot days. And a lot of you are seeing your trees are shedding leaves already. Yeah, you don't like the looks of it, but that's what they're going to do. They'll be fine because when the rain comes, it will help them keep those roots happy. And next spring, you should have another round of blooms or more leaves make it look even better. But it does look pretty bad around here because of the lack of water. We have to adjust what we plant because this is not a one and done deal. This is now what we're seeing. This is now the situation we're going to have to encounter here in this part of Texas. It wasn't like, oh, 2011 was such a terrible year and it didn't get bad again until this year. No, 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 no. The last few years have been some of the hottest on record, consecutive years, hottest on record. So as you suffer the death of your landscape, where your plants that you really, really wanted, that you really cared for, are dying out, that simply means get back and look for ones and look for ones that can handle this kind of weather. Sedums and agaves. Now, the problem with them is they're not the most cold tolerant. Always a catch-22. Someone texted me and asking about robins. They're seeing a lot of robins. Is that unusual? Not really. Robins are somewhat migratory. And we would normally associate them with the spring, But because of the environment this year, they may also either be hanging around. They didn't really pack off like they would, and they're um, still around now. Is it unusual? Not like, oh, my God, that's never happened. But they're normally a, a spring bird, something we would notice in the spring. If you're seeing them now, that's fine. They don't cause us problems. Um, Quite attractive birds. But nothing is normal. No matter what you think, nothing is normal. 
Let's go to the phone. This is Judy. Judy, what can I help you with? Yes, um, I have, uh, I'm going to report about a good source of water. Um, I don't drain my bathtub every time. Uh, I like to have that cold water on my feet when I take the, a bath, and I've been just saving the water uh, when I either shower or bathe, and um, the water is very clean. I noticed that uh, there's not that much dirt in it, and if I use a, a teaspoon or a tablespoon of liquid uh, shampoo or soap, there's hardly any kind of a pollutant in there. Um, so here's a large bathroom, a large bathtub for water, and the water, when it first comes out, is cold. I'd like it to be warm. So I save up my jugs, and in the kitchen and the bathroom, I run the cold water into the jug and save it. So then I have my hot water I can use. I, I use those jugs of water on my plants outside. And everyone can do that. We have a, that is, a huge backlog of jugs that haven't been uh, poured out to the plants yet. And people can use all this water on their fall gardens. It's a great is, source, and we could mention it every week for people to use. I think it's I have for everyone. Uh, uh, Judy, I have mentioned it every week that I can for things like your bathtub, your wash water for your sink, putting a five-gallon bucket in your shower to collect that water. You're right. It is a source of water we don't... Uh, tend to think of and it is good water and it is a way to get us past periods like this uh judy i'm sorry i'm on a break right now uh thank you for the call folks i'll be right back this is gardening naturally on news radio klbj with host jeff ferris Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, what are we doing? What are we doing today in the garden? Maybe nothing. It's going to be over 100 degrees again. Your plants are not in need of fertilizer. When they are stressed, they do not have a demand for more food. Maybe uh, soil drenches with seaweeds, seaweed solution. Pull your feed with seaweed. These are really good choices. If you're doing foliar feed, you may want to start it a little earlier in the day. But you could still do it. Seaweed does a great job of keeping the plant full of moisture. Keeps the cells turgid. Keeps the cells upright and strong. It will get you through this kind of weather and uh, 
do a pretty good job of keeping your plants from burning out from the drought. It's inexpensive. It's easy to use. Um, it is something that you could be doing right now that is worthwhile. Other than that, we're not fertilizing, and you don't really have to go out there and trim stuff. I don't know what happens, but we reach a period in time where, oh, my gosh, we got to go out and trim things. No, we don't. No, we don't. Okay? It is too hot for you to be out there doing that work. Having um, a, a, a brown stem somewhere right now, guess what? It'll still be there tomorrow. Get out early. If you just can't, can't bear having something that just isn't looking perfect in the garden, get out early to do the work. But your plants, they're not going to die because you didn't trim it. Okay. Oh, I got texted. Yes, let me please uh, repeat this. I had mentioned that there is a website that uh, monitors the migration patterns of lots of not just the butterflies, but birds. And it's called Journey North. Journey North. Dot O-R-G. It's a good website. It will report when people see, hey, we had Purple Martins in, uh, I don't know, Galveston. Um, oh, we have Monarchs. We just saw some up in the panhandle. That's giving us ideas to track as the creatures head south. Now, in the spring, they're a great resource. Uh, when are the hummingbirds coming? When are the butterflies heading north? When are my purple martins going to get here? When am I going to look at the other birds that normally aren't here all the time? I'm looking for one, and that's the uh, scissor tail. I think that is an amazing bird with unbelievable flight ability, but I haven't seen one in a while, and we're coming up on that time of the year where they should start appearing again. So I'm going to have to keep my eye out for it. But Journey North, journeynorth.org. They have good information, how to attract these creatures to your uh, landscape, things like that, where they are in their migration pattern. Let's see here. Oh, the nasty text. Um, being asked, oh man, that is a sad looking picture, isn't it? Being asked if Leyland Cypress will recover. And sent a picture of one. It doesn't look like there's any green on it. Leyland cypress are a very, very unique plant. They technically shouldn't exist because they're a cross between two different plants that they don't, they shouldn't cross. 
Leyland cypress can be fast growing and great privacy and look really good, but they can't handle this weather. Even with lots of water, it would not be unusual to see them brown out like this. Does that mean it's going to die? Nope. Nope. But it is not going to look good for a very long time. And it's dangerous trying to go, well, let me cut it back. That is not always something that works. Let's go to the phone. This is um, Matt. Matt, what can I help you with? Sort of the city. Uh, yeah, Matt again. I had a I had a brain freeze on the name of the plant, the flower I was going to ask about. It's not a chrysanthemum. It's a they grow all along. Uh, it's not a it's not a wild plant, but grow very tall. And they're the ones that oh yeah, crepe myrtle. <laughs> that was. The buzzword was crepe myrtle. Crepe myrtle, yeah. What about, I've got a row of crepe myrtles, and they're about 20 feet tall in the country. And, of course, we haven't had any rain in six or eight weeks, and, and they're looking terrible. Uh, is, is there hope for them, or should I try to water them? Or what, what do you think? Um, Matt, I have some 20-footers that are, well, to get to 20 foot, they're at least 40 years old. I have never, never provided them supplemental water. Uh, yes, that's correct. They have I have not either. Really bad. They have looked terrible, but they have always come back. I may have okay. to trim off a couple of branches that didn't make it, but they have always come back. Um, crepe murders, uh, crepe myrtles, excuse me, crepe myrtles are very resilient plants. They're long-lived. You almost have to work to kill them. But okay, good. If, good you can, if you can give them water, that's always a benefit in this weather. But I never have watered mine, and they uh, are doing fine. They don't look the best. I won't deny that. But they'll be here next year. So well, that's, that's I was thinking about stretching, stretching the soaker hose down the road because I got about twelve of them and just maybe giving them an overnight drip. But but anyway, that's encouraging. A bird question, right quick. You mentioned purple martins. For some reason, for the last four years, my part, my purple martins haven't come back. I've got three houses out in the country. I clean them out, put them down, put them back up, and something's happened to that flock, and nobody's coming to replace them. Any suggestions about encouraging them? Uh, no, I don't. Um, I've, I've had success and I've even moved my purple Martin house, which you're not supposed to really do. And they came up and filled it up for me quickly. Try the purple Martin conservation, purple Martin conservation. Yeah. Okay. They, yeah. they will have some conversation about it. Matt, I'm at the bottom of the hour, and you got a break for the news. Thank you for the call, folks. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. 
Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, I'm sorry. I, I, I texted somebody an answer to a question they asked. And it, it was about the suet. That's usually a way to attract the uh, woodpeckers. There's suet blends that they really like. And the problem is that many of the suet blends, man, they're going to melt in this heat. Now, they do make ones that are supposed to stay solid in this heat. They're supposed to. And I said, YMMV. I'm sorry, that's an abbreviation for your mileage may vary. And I meant that about the uh, success of the suet not melting everywhere on you. So, sorry, I shorthand. I thought it may have been a little more obvious, but I guess not. That's fine. And speaking of suet, I have a suet feeder. However, I don't use it I don't use it for suet. I stuff it full of fluff, various things laying in the yard. Uh, some of the, the the flowers and things like that, that they will, birds being they, that birds will collect and use to build a nest. So I put it to use, and, and I'm rather surprised by the birds that I see. Sometimes I'll stick pine needles in it. Those are really popular, by the way. Um, sometimes it'll be like um, a seed head from the milkweed, and I find that convenient to let the birds pass it along for me to help spread more and more milkweed. So the little suet feeders are dual purpose, I guess you could say, about them. They're easy to use. You can hang them anywhere. And it's fun. It's really fun watching the birds hang upside down on them and pick at them. They're, they're quite acrobatic. We're uh, coming up on football season, too, I guess. Everybody's probably aware of that, right? And so it begins. We're going to have all of this football going on. So we have a reason to stay out of the heat. Sounds good to me. You know... My wife and I raise butterflies. We normally would only be raising monarchs, 
but we had so many caterpillars, just an unbelievable number of caterpillars on our pipeline. Pipeline swallowtails are on there. So we started collecting them and son of a gun, they formed chrysalises in the containers we had them in. Some of them hatched in less than a week. Well, we had, uh, my wife uh, got up in the morning and was greeted by a butterfly flying around inside the house. And it was a pipe vine swallowtail. We have this container that's open that has ones in there. And this one hatched and it had been uh, a chrysalis for two months or more. While the other ones were hatching in a couple of weeks, this was a couple of months. So we had to catch him. Ceiling fans are not good for butterflies and take him outside. So those of you who do butterflies, that is something that you could run into as a problem. What are we gonna do about it? Well, if you can keep the container for long enough, you uh, can just keep an eye on it. I was surprised that these are hatching so late, but some of them will actually overwinter. And they'll be one of the first ones to come out in the spring. Seeing that this one was at least two weeks in a chrysalis, that seems to make sense for me. So that's some of the, wow, <laughs> interesting things occurring when you raise butterflies. Really enjoy it. We do because they are so beautiful. And it's entertaining. My grandkids, oh my, that is just eyes wide open when we have and are raising the butterflies. So it's uh, cool life lessons for them. And hopefully we're contributing to the butterfly surviving. It's always a bit of a question. The monarchs, they are starting south. Now they're still a ways away yet, but we are, they are reporting, Journey North is reporting that they're starting to be seen further and further south. Do what you can to get blooming plants up and running. I have lantana that's covered in blooms. It's one of the few plants 
that I will give any water to, any water to, to try to keep blooms on them. My Turk's cap, whoa. Uh, Turk's cap, it's taking such a terrible beating. I have one that gets a little water. I have uh, one that gets no water. And you can guess which one is doing better. So because we see this coming, we should do what we can to prepare for it. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, another plant, someone has texted me, that is blooming now and doing really well. And again, it is a Hummer plant. It is a butterfly plant. And that's the flame acanthus produces these red tubular flowers all over it when it's in bloom and a pretty industrious plant. Some people have complained that it reproduces fairly aggressively. So you may start with one small one and suddenly you're looking, you've got a big thicket of these flame leaf acanthus, or flame acanthus, excuse me. So they are great plants. Person texted me from Georgetown saying they've had monarchs on them right now. So maybe some of the early monarchs are already on their way heading through central Texas. Whatever you can do, in terms of getting your flowers to bloom is the best thing that you can provide for these migrating butterflies. They do not need milkweed. They're not traveling to lay eggs here. They are traveling to Mexico. They are in need of a food source of nectar to be able to make the flight. They are not looking to lay eggs. So, flame flame acanthus, lantana, Greg's mist flower, if you can keep it so that it's blooming, good choices of plants that will provide food sources for these butterflies. Fortunately, Some of them will also provide food sources for the hummingbirds. We think we may have a family of hummingbirds on our property. The hummingbirds normally attack my Turk's cap. And if there are two of them, they don't waste their time eating. They waste their time uh, fighting each other. They're very territorial. Well, the other day we noticed that we had two Hummers on the Turk's cap. 
And it's kind of hard to see, but one seemed to be smaller than the other one. So we think we had a parent and a juvenile because they were not battling with each other. They were simply going flower to flower, and they may be right next to each other while they were getting nectar. That makes me think that it was a sibling or a juvenile, and it was a parent, but uh, that would be great. I would love to see that uh, hummingbirds are laying eggs in the area around me. Kind of picked a bad year to do so, but um, nature has a reason for it. Also, also, uh, it looks like I'm done with bluebirds for the year. So, um, I've got to clean out my bluebird house, but we had two litters, two nestlings this year. Uh, one of about four babies and one of, I think two, I think two of them made it. So now we're going to clean it. And I don't know if bluebirds will have another clutch during the fall, but we'll get it ready. So if they show back up, they've got a place to go. Someone texted, what kind of fruit do butterflies like? You know, you can put out half an orange. Now you may get Oreos because they, they love the orange. But lots of our juicy fruits, like oranges, um, tangerines, those kind of things, the liquid and sugar in them will be interesting to the butterflies. I think you're going to be attacked by birds more than you will by butterflies by leaving the fruit out. But that is another thing that you can provide to them. Um, oranges are a real common one. And oranges will, in the spring, can help uh, the Oreos show up. And they're a gorgeous bird also. They're a very, very pretty bird. So if you had like a fence and you could half an, a fruit and drive a screw through the center of it into the fence to hold it up there, you may get a whole lot of birds that want to come by and maybe a whole lot of butterflies. Got to warn you when you do fruit like that, you'll also get a lot of bees and wasps. If that doesn't bother you, that's fine. They'll go away in the evening, so you could take it down if you want. But everything is looking for food right now. And fruit is an easy source for those kind of critters. The juiciness of it, the, the juice, 
is high in carbohydrates, energy source. So whether you're a hummer, whether you're a butterfly or a bee, you're going to appreciate food sources like that. Attach the fruit to a stable platform, cut in half, so that they can get to the juicy insides and just watch what shows up. Could be all sorts of critters taking advantage of that. Now, as for hummingbird feeders, remember, you do not need to put red food coloring in them. The hummer will find it. You should change it out frequently, as in every couple of days. Sugar water and this heat will naturally ferment and create alcohols. Those are deadly to the hummingbirds. They need fresh, clean nectar if you're using your hummingbird feeder. Like I said, every couple of days, make up new hummingbird nectar. And it's super simple. Four cups of water, one cup of sugar. Dissolve it. You can keep it in your refrigerator for up to a week and simply put some in your feeder Wait till it gets emptied, come to the refrigerator, take your uh, surplus, put it in the feeder. This way you don't waste as much and you don't risk making the birds sick. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Gonna be a hot one today, but it's football weekend. Uh, We'll talk to you all tomorrow at 8 a.m. Have a good day.